0: following disturbing discretion is advised
1: Everybody, it's Aldo Gandia.
0: Welcome to Greg Gabriel Talks Football. I just want to begin by letting you know we got a very busy day of programming here at the Barroom. Besides this show, uh, later this evening, the A team will have an outstanding show for you. One of their two guests is Chris Herring, the author of Blood in the Garden, the flagrant history of the 1990s New York Knicks. And if you're a Chicago Bulls fan like me, you know how much... The New York Knicks went after Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, just trying to basically uh, commit criminal uh, mischief on them. Uh, So this is going to be an outstanding interview. Can't wait for that. And then uh, we will close the day with uh, Neil Stopchinski and Danny Shimon talking about the NFL's uh, scouting combine. But first, it is uh, Greg Gabriel Talks Football, and there he is right there. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. Now you were at the gym at about five, five thirty this morning. So uh, you. Well, were- I got
2: up at five thirty. I was at the gym just shortly after that.
0: Wow. So you must be tired about now, right? Uh, I am. (laughs) But that doesn't stop Greg Gabriel. We've got a lot to talk about because since we last did a show, we heard from Ryan Pose, Matt Eberflus. We had this NFL scouting combine. There's a lot to talk about just within those things. And so let us start first with the topic of weight for the offensive linemen. Uh, It was something Ryan Pose said at Indianapolis that he wants his guys to be lean and, uh, and basically put your track shoes on. So you wanted to comment on some of those things because you're very familiar with the program uh, that the bears are are instilling over at Hallis Hall.
2: Right. Well, you know, the type of blocking scheme they're going to use the zone scheme, these guys got to be able to move or just on the move, play in space. So, it, from a philosophical point of view, it's different than what they did with Juan Castillo last year. And Juan wanted these real big guys. Now, if you recall, the um, Larry Borum played at 350 plus at Missouri in 2020, got down to 322 for his pro day, and was about that same weight when the Bears drafted him. But then Juan wanted him back up into the 330s. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, they're gonna want these guys smaller than that. Like I think James Daniels last year was up close to to 330 pounds. If they re-sign him, and, and we'll get to that in a minute, um you know he'll probably be playing closer to 315. You're not losing strength by by losing weight. Now, here's the thing, and, and Jimmy Arthur was brought in as the head strike coach, and Jimmy was here when I was there under, under Rusty Jones. They also brought in one of the assistants uh, who was with Rusty in Indianapolis the last few years. So he knows that, that program, and they're real, real big on percentage of body fat. And they use this machine. We used to have one. I don't know if they still have one there at Hallis Hall. Uh, if they don't, they'll go out and buy one, and I don't know how much they cost. They cost a fortune, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Bod Pod, and it's, it's this big egg-shaped device that you sit in mm-hmm. for a couple of minutes, and air molecules float around, and it gives you your body fat, and it's probably g- accurate to less than one tenth of a percent. Mm-hmm. You know, so at each position, you've got. Assigned body fats for these guys. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good idea what it is. Okay. Okay, so you, you've, you let's say an offensive line, and I don't remember all the, the different assigned body fats, but let's say offensive linemen are tw- 22%. That doesn't necessarily mean that a guy can't weigh 330 and still be 22% body fat. As long as he's in that percentage body fat range, that's fine. If he's got to get down to 318 to do that, then you got to get down to 318. But if you could stay at 330 and you're going to have the assigned body fat, then that's what you're going to have to do. So it it's... Um, it's not complicated. Like you want your your wide receivers six to eight percent body fat; they're real lean. Mm-hmm. You know, running backs are a little heavier. Linebackers are you know you can carry a little bit more fat, but those those positions. And one guy who who could not fit, and it was just his body makeup because we tried everything, mm-hmm. was Nate Vasher.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, like I think Peanut was around six point eight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Percent. I mean, he was real, real lean. Mm-hmm. And then Nate Vasher, you'd stick him in the bod pod, and he'd come out like 13 and a half, 14, <laughs> way over. And he wasn't fat. It's yeah. just like <laughs> you, that was just the way his his body composition was. And so, it, you know, it would frustrate the, the shit out of Rusty because Rusty really, he lived by that. He can't play. Mm-hmm. You know, forget, he goes, I don't know if they can play on the field, but I'm telling you right now, he can't play because he's too fat.
1: <laughs> That's funny.
2: You know, so, you know, then you find out about the player, and, and it's like anything else, there's an exception. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, Nate Fasher was a Pro Bowl-level corner and, and a pretty good returner, too, before we got Devin. So, he, you know, he was the exception. But for the most part, all those guys were always within the assigned parameters. Well, hmm. put this way, if they're not, it costs you money.
0: Yeah. Okay. So there's fines associated with this. Oh okay. yeah. I love it. Um, Olin Krutz on his outstanding podcast with Jason McKee, the no-name football podcast, was concerned about this new approach. Not that he's saying it doesn't work, but he said he wanted to pose questions to Ryan Pose and Jim Arthur and the other people implementing this program. So I I grabbed a snippet of the no-name football podcast. Let's listen to it. You may have already answered this question, but let's listen to Olin's concerns, and then on the other end, you can address them.
3: What? Lean mass, what body fat equals elite line play? Mm-hmm. Here's my question, right? Okay. True. So if we're going to get a guy to lose weight, does he actually play better football at that weight, right? What weight, mm-hmm. what lean mass does this guy have to be? And, and hopefully for as long as these guys have all been around the NFL, hopefully they have numbers on this, right? There's a guy out in Ohio who helps me with training people. His name is John Quint. Really intelligent guy. Teaches me a lot about things like that. Mm-hmm. Like his question always is what Okay, if you want someone to lose weight or you want somebody to get lean mass, what body fat actually equals mm-hmm. elite offensive line play? So, Because it's easy to say that. Right. We just got to lose weight. Right. Okay, well, if he loses weight and gets really weak and gets run over, then we have a problem. So all I'm saying is you, you can do all that. You just have to be cognizant of, okay, we can't make him incredibly weak either. Right? So what right, body true. fat actually equals elite offensive line play? And most guys will – uh, carry a little extra weight. They could use cleaning up their diet a little bit. But um, if you go out there and I'm, I'm going to condition these linemen in February, March, and April, okay, and May, well, then when are they building the strength they're going to need in December?
0: Is that a legitimate concern by, for uh,
2: Yeah, but, but Owen has always been in this program, I mean, for a good part of his career, mm-hmm. and so he understands it. Mm -hmm. And he always Mm -hmm. fell within the parameters. Olin was not a big guy. I mean, as compared to some of the linemen today, Olin played 285, 290. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, and and was very lean. And what you're looking at when you're looking at this percentage of body fat and leanness is what's your muscle weight. Mm -hmm. So you might be 330 pounds, but you're 20%. You got 20% fat. Okay. So that's 60-something pounds mm-hmm. off that 330. So he's like 265, 270 lean weight, mm-hmm. okay? And, and and all the rest is, is considered fat or, right. or whatever. So it, it's, it, it's forward thinking,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it, it keeps – and I agree with Olin. You don't want to lose weight. At the cost of losing strength, mm-hmm. so there's a so your training works both so that you, you what you're trying to do is is gain muscle mass, lose body fat. Mm-hmm. You don't want to lose muscle mass and lose weight. You you, you follow what I'm saying? Sure. You want to gain muscle mass, lose body fat, and then you're. At an optimum playing weight and an optimum body fat uh, percentage,
0: right? I re- I recall when the Bears drafted Heron Garasu, who was lean, fast moving, but I went over to Bourbon and boy, he was being blown off the line of scrimmage. He just did not have the strength in his rookie. Well, role- he
2: wasn't there with he wasn't there with Rusty now. Rusty was already okay. gone by then.
0: Good point. Now, th- this program with, Ru- with Rusty, I- I've got up. A- Jason McKee tweeted out the uh, strength and conditioning manual from 2006. This is essentially the same thing that was being taught back then, correct?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So, um, But, yeah, w- w- that is a huge concern because one of the biggest uh, complaints about Sam for the center, and we don't know if he's going to be on the roster next season, but was that he just didn't have the strength to anchor at that center position. Can you uh, ask uh, a Sam Mustafer to lose weight and gain strength and, and expect that to, to yield results.
2: Well, here's what you want. You, it's a simple answer, although you want good weight. Hmm. Okay. Juan wanted weight. Not necessarily weight tied to muscle mass. Gotcha. And this is where you get into the, you know, the science of weightlifting and nutrition and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's what you eat. so he wanted these guys big, you know he wanted sam mustafer up over 320 and i think by the end of the year he was 325 or something like that mm-hmm. well you, you number one you can't move as good mm-hmm. okay and you're only going to get as strong as you can get and that and you know you work you work you work in the wake room and your gains are your gains
1: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. and if you could do it you could, you can do it if you don't you don't, but then you, you know, you go on to the next guy. I agree that I, you know, his, you know, with, with offensive linemen, you know, everybody looks at that damn bench press at, at the combine. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. Hmm. Cause with an offensive lineman, your power is down through your core, your hips, your thighs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where you're, you're snapping your hips and You're blowing people off now. Yeah, the bench press is your punch
1: mm-hmm.
2: and pass protection and stuff, and that, that that's where you're using that, but it it's still all an offensive lineman's ability to move people off the ball mm-hmm. doesn't come from his bench press, it's how much weight he's got or how much power he's got in his lower body. That's why I always look at, at the jumps with the with the uh, offensive lineman, the, the, both the broad jump and, and the vertical jump because, and I look at their frame, I don't want a narrow hip guy. It's one of the things I like about James Daniels. He's got a keister that's about this wide. You <laughs> yeah. Know, so, you know, so that's a big power pack back
1: there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you know, so th- it's, it's a good program. I firmly believe there's a lot of flexibility involved in that program with with, with the stuff that they do. Uh, Jimmy may, you know, he's going to probably put his own touches on it as, as compared to what Rusty, but the, just the pure fact that he brings in an assistant who's been with Rusty the last four years in Indy, that tells you a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You want somebody who, who really knows and understands the program. And the players are going to love it. I mean, the players... Bought into it. I'll tell you a funny story. With Rusty dealt. This is his first year. So when was his first year? 2004. Might have been 2003. We might not even had. Um, Lovey might not have been here yet. I don't quite remember mm-hmm. his, his exact first year, but or it might have been Lovey's second year. But anyway, there used to be this tradition. On Saturdays, you'd have a walkthrough and a meeting before you'd either get on the plane or go downtown to the uh, downtown Hilton for a Sunday game Uh and so the tradition was rookies brought in donuts for everybody Mm -hmm. so (laughs) in come the rookies with all the donuts and they're out on uh, all over these tables in the cafeteria area (laughs) at Hallis Hall and Rusty walks in and he just exploded (laughs) i mean he was mf everything (laughs) and he you know rips these things off the the table he throws them all out and he goes you son of a bitches, work all week to ruin it on one day (laughs) i love it so that tradition ended that day
0: (laughs) oh man that is a great story Hey, I wanted to ask you uh, over at the ChicagoBears.com. They did an exclusive interview with Ryan Poles. And one of the questions was uh, just touching on the combine, and, and we'll get back to more about the combine later in the show. But the question was how much weight do you place on position drills, the bench press, the 40 yard dash? and agility drills at the combine. His response is there's an eye test for the positional drills and how they move and their hips. It's all about, does it match the tape? Is that your philosophy too?
2: Yeah. I don't necessarily look at the time. Mm -hmm. I look at how he does it and I'll tell you why. And and we might've said this, you know, previous years, the three cone, the 20 shuttle, Mm-hmm. they become learned drills mm-hmm. okay so you you know you go to your your workout camp and and to get ready for the combine and you're there for six to eight weeks and working out every day mm-hmm. you're doing the 20 shuttle every day you're doing starts on your 40 every day you're you know working on your bench everything they're doing specific exercises to increase your broad jump and your vertical jump so you get your steps down real good mm-hmm. for the 20-yard shuttle and the three cone, and then you blow off a really fast time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you might be stiff as a dick if, if if and still be able to do it because of you know you're, you're practicing the drill. Got it. So you gotta it, it's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. You know, when you you watch, I'll tell you what I what I love to do after the combine now now it's all on, it's all digitized, but we used to get it on, on beta tapes. And mm-hmm. they'd have like, let's say with the defensive lineman, there'd be like five tapes mm-hmm. of the, of the defensive line workouts, but they would have it, you know, player A, player B, player C, they'd have his entire workout. So it'd be his forties, his uh, agility drills, his vertical his long jump, and his positional drills all at once. So, you know, let's say it's six uh, – uh, the tape might run six, seven minutes, mm-hmm. you know, of him actually doing work. Then you're on to the next guy to the next guy to the next guy. It's in alphabetical order. But when you do that back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, it's real easy to stack them mm. as who had the, you know, the best workout. Yeah. So you're not, like, looking at the 40. And, like, that. that's all we can do right now because you can find – some of this stuff online, but you don't get it, you know, one guy's complete drill and then be able to compare it to the next guy, to the next guy, to the next guy.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And one of the things that you mentioned to me is uh, uh, Eberflus had talked about building uh, uh, position profiles, and you told me uh, that you, that's something that you did uh, back when you were with the Bears. Tell me more about that position. Well, profiles. How's that work?
2: Yeah, we did it when 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 Lovey came in and went to the scheme that they're going to be doing now, and and what we did is we assigned a scout to a coach, and he stayed, and that was his cross um, cross check position too for scouting. Okay, and and you didn't switch positions every year; you stayed with you know I put you know I tried to put the guy who was like Ballard did the defensive backs because he was great with defensive backs. Mark Shadowski was really, was a defensive lineman when he played, he was really, really good with defensive linemen. So he had the defensive lineman and you do stuff, you know, Marty Barrett was a, was a quarterback in college, but mm-hmm. really understood wide receiver play. So he had the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So they work with the coach, you know, during the offseason. and when they're in the, um, uh, in the building and we put together a profile for exactly what we're looking for for every position, all 22 positions on the field. Mm-hmm. And really, now you could say 23 because you got nickel corner.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, then, you know, we'd write it up. And each scout would have a, a copy of the write up and we had a profile tape. Mm-hmm. This is what, you know, and we use some of our own players, and and when Lovey first got here, we had some other players, but, you know, this is what you want a three technique to do. This is what the right end's got to do. This is what the left end's got to be able to do. So the the scout has a picture of, in his mind, Mm -hmm. what you're looking for Mm -hmm. when you're out on the road scouting. And does he fit the profile? Because in any scheme, it's all about fit. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't Perfect example, you know, Ted Washington was a great player in his own way. You can't put Ted Washington <laughs> in this scheme. No. It just doesn't work. Right. So regardless of how good he is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he's not even on your draft board because mm. you're not going to take him.
1: Mm.
2: You know, you, it, I hate the, the the square peg round hole thing, but that's exactly what that is, so. Mm-hmm. You know, so you you put them aside, you you put the grade they deserve on them, Mm -hmm. but you don't even have them on the board. So you can't, when you get to the draft, you can't even think about them.
0: Mm -hmm. That is interesting because a lot of times, you know, I'll I'll go back and look at, uh, <laughs> uh the the drafts from previous years and I'll'll I'll, I'll play mr hindsight is 2020 and say wow it, this pick was 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 chosen seven picks after we made that third round pick we should have picked that guy well there's more to it than just that perhaps that guy didn't fit a scheme perhaps and then some of the other things that I've learned talking to you is you know perhaps that guy didn't uh, set the wrong things during the one-on-one interviews and so forth so it's not just about uh it's not as it's not as black black. black and white, as it seems uh, so many times. Uh, Really good stuff. Um, You wanted to talk about free agency and some of the players that may match up with what the Chicago Bears are doing. So let's get into free agency. And then in the last uh, third of the show, we'll talk about uh, the combine and what we saw this weekend. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on NFL free agency under Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus.
2: Well, I, number one, I'm going to take Ryan at his word for what he said. And what he, it, you know, he came out right away. He goes, I don't like the first wave of free agency. You always overspend and you do. You spend too much money and, and for a guy and it, it ends up killing your cap down the road and the guy better produce. You know, you, you're better off getting a young player and a, a perfect example was when the Bears signed Akeem Hicks, you know, it was a player that was just starting to come into his own as a player, and, and you got him at a real reasonable price. And then he just kept making more money because he kept getting better. And turned out and you know turned into an, an all-pro type player. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go out and get these big ticket 18 million, 20 million, 22 million dollar players in order to improve your team, a lot of it's scouting, how good your scouting department. And, and, and this, in this case, it's not college scouting it's your pro scouting, you know, cause these guys have already played in the league four years mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe they're at a, there's a couple of guys hitting free agency and this is all hypothetical, Okay, but maybe some guys hitting free agency that were the number three guy on their team at the position. Mm-hmm. When they played, they played really well, mm-hmm. but the two guys ahead of them were pretty damn good. All right. Okay. So all this guy needs is the opportunity to line up and play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. <laughs> but because of the situation that he was in, you're going to get him at a lesser price. Now, is the name sexy? No,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> no, no, when it becomes sexy, when he lines up for you in September and he starts playing good football,
0: that's right.
2: You know, and then, oh yeah, this guy was <laughs> a steal. So, that's what I see the Bears doing. I, I see all this stuff on Twitter. Uh, you know they're going to go after Amari Cooper. They're going to go after this guy. No, they're not,
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they can't spend all their money on one position and 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 for one player. So here here's the thing. So a Rob still wants that that. 18, $19 million figure. Right. Um, some of these other guys, that said, Tariq Hill might be getting $21, $22 million, something like that. Forget those guys. Uh, it, well, nobody's going to be getting anywhere near to that. But mm-hmm. now you look at, at, at some of the guys that are going to make the, the receiving core a lot better than it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's the important thing, improving the position group okay and i'm using spot market value take it for what it's worth it could be you know what he actually gets or what the market what they feel the market value is could be two different things but still it can give you a general idea and okay Demarcus robinson backup wide receiver with the chiefs he started some games mm-hmm. market value 2.9 million
1: very right clear. now
2: okay if he's the only guy you signed he's Across from Mooney because he's better than anybody else they got. Yeah,
1: that's
2: okay, sure. <laughs> okay. Valdez, Scantling, big play guy, and he can run like hell. Eight point eight million. Um, they he didn't have a market value for Russell Gage w- w- with the uh, Falcons, but I assume it's in that same area as Cedric Wilson and Alan Lazard. And Allen Lazard is or Cedric Wilson is six point five million. Alan Lazard, who's an RFA, and we're going to probably know by the end of the week, next Monday at the latest, because Mm -hmm. um, if they tendered him at all, and at what round? I'll tell you, if they tender him at a three, I Mm -hmm. might think, okay, you know what? I can't get a receiver that good in the third round.
0: I'm with you, Greg. By the way, he scored eight touchdowns last season, which is, of all the free agent wide receivers, the second most of any free agent wide receiving hitting the market. And this guy was under – not underutilized, but Aaron Rodgers always looked Devontae Adams first and foremost, and there were times Lazard was wide open. But please go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, so th- there's guys out there. Okay, Christian Kirk, though, he he had a pretty good year. He's the highest of these – lesser echelon receivers at about eight, $11.8 million. Mm-hmm. Still, you can get two and maybe three of these guys for the cost of one A-Rob uh, guy down in Tampa Bay who's coming off an ACL, Gallup's coming off an ACL. All these guys are, you know, so doesn't it make sense to go in that direction in free agency?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Say now now let's look at, at the cornerback positions. One of the things we always used to talk about when I was working there was you got to draft high the positions that you end up paying for in free agency. And one of those positions is corner. Corners cost look at the money Kyle Fuller got when they put the fran, they put the transitional tag on him and then Green Bay gives him the offer sheet for over 14 million a year, close to 15 million a year, and it's gone up since then. Corners make big money. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna go into free agency, and say I gotta get a corner. Well, again, you better be looking for that second-tier guy. And and the Bears have had some success, say, like Prince of Makamura mm-hmm. and things like that, where they've gotten and for some reason they just didn't play up to their capability, and they were able to get them at a cheap rate, but they got to be able to do what the scheme calls for them to do, number one. And, you know, they got to have football left in them. But the main thing is it's sometimes easier to draft a guy at that position Mm -hmm. and hope he develops and have to overpay for that guy. In free agency for for uh, somebody in that position in free agency, I don't know if I wrote down corner costs on here. Oh yeah, I did for a couple. Um, J.C. Jackson with the Patriots, twenty-one million. Uh, Tavarius <laughs> Ward, nine point nine million. Darius Williams, fourteen point six million. Levi Walker, he's been a one-year starter in Buffalo, nine million.
0: Wow, the okay. value of cornerbacks has increased so much the last few years.
2: Right, so it's it, it. You know, you you've got to take all that stuff into consideration, but you also got to look at at what's available in free agency. Who are the guys there? What's it going to cost? Versus who can I draft?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then go there. Now, okay, now I'm. It's it's going to be up to the powers that be, obviously, whether they re-sign. James Daniels will let him hit the market. Okay, now Biggsy is on record as saying that he talked to some agents down at Mobile and they said $9 million. Well, SpotTrack had um, Daniels' contract market value at 7.3. Hmm. Okay. Um, Kappa, the guard at uh, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. 10.8 million. And um, Austin Corbett for the Raiders 8.7 million. So, is it if it, it, it costs you 8 million to keep James Daniels and the coaches want them? That's the important thing, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, it and they're not going to tell us that until you see that a contract signed,
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: So, that that's the stuff that's going on in Hallis Hall. Mm -hmm. And anybody who says they're going to do this or they're going to do that, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing they're going to do is start telling people.
0: (laughs) That's for sure. The the fact that there's a lot of depth at the offensive line position in this draft is probably going to uh, – it's not a player's market at that position for free agents, correct? So if some people think it's $10 million for James Daniels, Perhaps it's more like seven million dollars because there's a lot of worthy candidates in the second, third round at that interior offensive line position. Am I right? Well,
2: spot spot track does a pretty good job. Yeah, they do. As far as finding, they're looking at similar players, similar years in the league, similar number of starts, and all that position. So that's going to be somewhere in the area. Mm -hmm. Could you pay a premium? Up to nine million, maybe, but are you better off keeping James Daniels and say eight to nine million dollars a year versus letting him hit free agency and hoping you can find a replacement in the draft?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, well, you're gonna be playing with probably two young guys as it is next year, in Tevin and Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum, you know. So how many young guys do you want on that line? Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't answer the question. That's going to be, it, you know, in the hands of the coaching staff. But it it it's, um, it's what's going on. And I, right now, you know, free agency starts in a week. Yeah. They've already made their mind up. And and when they were in Indy last week, they already had discussions with agents. And you got a general idea what it's going to cost to re-sign a Bilal Nichols, which, okay, perfect example, Bilal Nichols. And I, and I track did not have a, uh, a market value for him because I looked it up right before we went on air. But I don't see in this draft, there's a lot of defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. I don't see them necessarily being three techniques.
1: Mm.
2: Okay, and there's a few.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But you got to get them high,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you don't have a one. You got a two and a three. Okay, you probably got to draft a corner. And history says, and I did this study back in two thousand one, my last draft with the with the uh, Giants before I came here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and. Cause we knew we were going to take a corner and it holds up today. Cause I still follow it in the first three rounds, 12 to 15 corners go every year. Hmm. And so that means, and, and it's not generally it's a second and third round draft with corners, depending how, how the, now you could, I, this year, you could see five go in the first round. But that's an abnormal number. So now you're looking at where the Bears are picking at 39. You know, you could very well be looking at the sixth or seventh corner off the board. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean he's the sixth or seventh on their board? Mm -hmm. It could well be the third, Mm -hmm. you know, because everybody's board is is different. But if you want a corner that's going to come in and play, you got to get them in the second, or especially, you know, because they don't have a first. You got to get them in the first three rounds of the draft. Yeah,
0: because the odds of you hitting on one later in day three are just not real high. Uh, Greg, I need to interrupt because uh, thanks to Don Burr, our friend from Detroit, he has made us aware of some breaking news. This, according to Tom Pelissaro, the NFL is suspending Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley indefinitely for at least the 2022 season for gambling on NFL games after he left the team last season. So, what do you make of that news?
2: Man, you may never see him in the league again.
0: Uh, yeah, that might be an issue. I mean, who is going to take a chance on a guy like that? And uh, he actually left the team last season because he because was – Because
2: personal issues or something.
0: Right, some mental health issues he said he needed to address, and who knows if it was related to, to gambling. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people who wager more than they have and sometimes wager with unseemly types, and that can create a lot of stress in their lives or has to create a stress in their life. So who knows? And I'm speculating here, but – uh, that is huge news, and I'm sure now people start asking questions whether referees involved, whether you know other players involved and so forth. so this could open up a whole new Ballywick and it, as as it turns off with the Bears, uh people who were speculating or uh, desiring Calvin Ridley in a trade well, forget about that that ain't gonna happen
2: <laughs> yeah well, you know one of my one of my favorite follows on Twitter was speculating that and then he you know. <laughs> the guy who throws shit at the wall and hopes that one of out of every fifty stick. Mm-hmm. but um you know I, I Calvin Ridley is a very good player, mm-hmm. but obviously his own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. yep, you know he's yeah. he's costing himself millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, yeah.
0: It's sad. Uh, hopefully, we'll get more details, but again, you know that could be a personal matter, and we, we may not hear very much more. But um, hopefully, the Ridley family is doing well because that's going to be traumatic for the entire family as well. You know, you well, yeah.
2: I mean, he, he 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 was a a, a first round pick, mm-hmm. and you know was gonna. He didn't get paid for half the year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna miss out all this year. If he comes back next year. And, and I say if because the league is going to probably make him get into some programs and, and counseling, et cetera. Uh, you know, what kind of money is he going to get? Right. right. You know, not a whole lot. Well, technically, if Atlanta held on to him, they'd still have his rights. He's been suspended. They'd still have his rights. He'd have that, that contract. But do they want to even keep him following that?
1: mm-hmm
2: yeah okay and and we're not going to know that until next year yeah
0: wow that's big news and uh, as Don says you know it appears that the wide receiver pool in terms of free agency is drying up uh fortunately Boy, oh, boy, the uh, wide receiver pool at the combine was quite impressive, at least in terms of speed numbers. Do do you think that they may have done something to the turf in Indianapolis to get some of these? uh, It's it's a training they do. It's amazing. I never – I mean, there was a portion of the combine I was watching yesterday on Sunday, the defensive back – defensive back after defensive back was posting 4.4, 4.4, 4.4. It was like –
2: Actually, the the safeties with the unofficial times, the safeties were faster in the corners.
1: Oh, my
0: goodness. It was unbelievable what is going on. And, of course, the big news was the big defensive tackle, Jordan Davis putting up an – Incredible sub five a. What what was it? The uh, 478. 478. Look at this guy move. That's the unofficial. So, but it turned out to be 478 as as Greg just said. What do you think about this athlete? Uh, because he
2: is appears to he also broad jumped. Now when you watch this, mm-hmm. you see he 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 doesn't have great bend, he's Go a little ahead. bit upright. Yep, Pats. doing that. So Mm -hmm. he's going to have to work on that. He might have a little tightness in his knees. And you can see that when he runs, too. Yeah. But, um, I mean, a big, strong, quick guy, uh, pretty good person from what I understand. And he's going to, you know, he was thought of as a middle of the first round, middle third of the first round pick. And he's probably... Mm -hmm. With those rare traits, go higher than that. Yeah. And, you know, Don Terry Poe was the last big guy that had a freak type workout, was a dominant player early, and then he got heavy. And that's what you, you know, you want to make sure with a guy like this, you got to know what kind of character he has that he's not going to, you know, he's 340 now. Is he going to balloon up to 370? And, and, be you know be a slow guy and lose that quickness that that whole Georgia team I mean my god, the way they yes. ran yes. the Wyatt is an interesting guy who actually ran like a hundredth of a second faster four seven seven or something like that yeah. and um you know he's a he potentially could play three
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I haven't watched tape on him just looking at his athleticism. Mm-hmm. But the the three technique in this defense, he's got to be a guy that is disruptive as hell.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's a one gap scheme, so you don't have to do that two gap game and and uh, control two two gaps. You're you're trying to shoot a gap, get in, inside, get penetration, and really screw things up, make the backs change direction, and clean it up for the linebackers. You know, to make the play so. Yeah. But looking at that at, at that position, I just didn't see a lot of guys that were potential threes. There's a few, but when you know when do you got to get them? One is from Oklahoma, and actually he's a Chicago kid, uh, Winfrey, I think his name is. Uh, athletically, he's got the the opportunity to be a, a, a pretty decent three. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen some tape. I haven't seen a lot. But you're going to probably have to get them in the second round to get them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that brings up the thing. Okay, is it worthwhile? Are we better off re-signing Bilal Nichols? Mm-hmm. That's, so that's, and, and the whole thing I'm trying to say is, is Aldo, is these are the discussions that you're having at Hallis Hall, and when you're determining whether you're gonna try to resign somebody or let him hit free agency, and if in fact now if they say I don't think he can play the three, they're gonna let him go. hmm
0: Um speaking of letting go, the Big news. I think it, it, the first one to kind of sp- speculate about this late last week in his column uh, was Brad Biggs about the trading, potential trading of Kahlil Mack and that it p- could potentially mean a, a two a second rounder and a third rounder for the Chicago Bears if the same model is followed of the Von Miller trade. Now, you have said that it's highly unlikely that the Bears are going to trade Khalil Mack Based on what you, uh, if you read Brad's uh, column and what you, you're hearing, is there any chance that the Bears might consider moving Brad? Uh, excuse me, Khalil Mack to acquire more draft assets, given that they are only have five picks this season, and and, and a trade similar to Devon Miller would yield two second round. They would they would get in the draft two second rounders and two third rounders, which now changes the whole complexion of the draft for the Bears.
2: Well, yeah, but out of the two second and two thirds this year, you know, sometimes you got to wait for them for another year because the team you're making the trade with doesn't have that stock of draft choices. Mm -hmm. And well, here's the thing. You're saving roughly, you're you're adding to your amount of money to spend only three and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have twenty three million dollars, over twenty three million dollars of dead money. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is better for the team: having Khalil Mack and not having three million in space, mm-hmm. or not having Khalil Mack for three million bucks? Because that's that's basically what it is.
0: And maybe Chris's question here is a good one: Is this season going to be a rebuild, and the season after start making some? bigger free agent signings, um, because there should be, I mean, despite the fact that you're, you're, you've are you you put this debt on yourself with the Khalil Mack trade, if that were to happen, there still would be more money available in 2023 uh, 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 to spend on some higher price free agents.
2: Do you well, think- you look at, see, the, to me, the time to trade Khalil Mack could be a year from now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and maybe you don't get quite as much, but you, you you've got, you still got more money to work with and you got to figure in the money because the money equals players
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it, it's, it's tough. And that's what you go through these things. You got to figure out you see. my, my thinking is you got to have four pass rushers. Now, Eberfluss, he was. He did an interview with somebody. He said, Well, I got to have eight. You got to have eight defensive linemen because you're always doing rotation. So that's four edge guys and, and four inside guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and you're probably, and you might be lining up, playing all eight of them or at least seven of them in the course of a game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so right now, if under contract, they got four edge players at 02 they signed last year. Quinn, Mac, and Gibson. Right. Okay, not a bad crew. <laughs> and, and Ocho is you know, he isn't breaking the bank with the money you're giving him. He got he got hurt, but before he got hurt, he, he had some production. Mm-hmm. So what they've got to take care of is the interior defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, does Eddie Goldman for what you gotta pay? And now, if you get rid of him, you're gonna pick up six million bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's another thing too. Let's say they don't think Bilal Nichols can play the three. They want the three, you know, that they can't do what they want the three to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, but he can be their nose, and the nose isn't like the nose in this pass defense. The nose is really more of in the, in in the uh, one gap, mm-hmm. and sometimes cocked over the center or or, or whatever. Um, so again, not a two gap type guy. He is explosive. You know, he was a sub, uh, when he came out, he was a, like a four, eight, seven or something like that. I don't remember exactly what his numbers were, but they're pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was strong. So that's another guy. You get him in the bod pod, you get his body fat, you get to the optimum body fat and get his weight down, you know, and then is he, can he be a, a reliable three or can he be a, even if you got to keep him at, at whatever that number is, the nose. And who, okay, then who's the three? Well, is Henderson a, a, a three?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And looking at his athleticism, I'd say yes, mm-hmm. but you still don't have enough. And there's one guy in free agency, um, started games for the Colts as a backup. They took him in the second or third round. I can't think of his name. Lewis, I think his name is. Yeah.
0: Um, Let me see if I can find him. Because didn't you text me about him? Um, I don't think so. Okay, let me see. Hold on. Um, but go ahead with your thought, and I'll find. out. Okay, they- but
2: I mean, you you got to get people, and they don't necessarily have to be starters, but they got to be people that can play within the rotation. Mm-hmm. Because right now in the National Football League, very few defensive linemen play a whole game. Mm-hmm. You're 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 constantly rotating them off to 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 keep them. Uh, fresh and to keep your, your pass rush strong. So, um, you know, I, I, another thought I had on, um, on the three technique because it goes back to, you know, we remember we drafted Henry Melton.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Henry Melton started off at Texas as a running back and actually was pretty good running back. Then he outgrew the running back position, and they moved him to defensive end. We drafted him at first to play defensive end, but then when we got him in the building, and he played defensive end that first year. But you saw the frame he had, how big he could get and still be have that speed and quickness. Mm-hmm. We moved him inside, put weight on him, moved him inside to the three technique. He went to a pro bowl. Um, okay, and so this guy from the Colts I was just talking about is a uh, from Ohio State. Is he
0: a Tyquan Lewis and yes, uh, Tyquan, Lewis.
2: Tyquan Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Okay, he he was a premium round pick. The you, you can probably look it up while I'm talking what he was. He might have been second or third round, but he mm-hmm. was fairly high. He was a defensive end, and they bulked him up. To move inside. You can do that. If, if there's some defensive ends in this draft that 270, 275, that got good movement, that you can put 10 or 15 pounds on without a problem, mm-hmm. then you can move them inside. Hopefully, Tommy Harris was 285 to 290 pounds when he played for the Bears. Very, very explosive. And and I was gonna say this when you we were showing um the big guy running. The uh, Tommy Harris was 295 at the combine, played at about 10 pounds less for us. He ran a 485. This guy was 340
0: pounds and ran a 478. Oh man. <laughs> That's amazing. Yep. Tyquan is from Ohio State. Uh, he's 27 years old and uh four years of experience in the league.
2: Yeah, and he played he, and he was a second round pick. That's what I thought. But they took he was a defensive end in, in at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And they I remember talking to Chris after. Yeah, they're gonna put him in at the three. And when you look at his frame, you can see that. You say this this guy and that scheme could be a three technique. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what you know what the scouts are doing now you they they've looked at these guys they've seen their body types they've seen the way they move and now they're saying hey you know there's this defensive end here he might be able to play inside we can put a little more weight on him mm-hmm. play him in the rotation this year he'll be 15 pounds heavier next year and um you know he could be a number 1 next year and and I'm guessing who that would be right now. Cause I haven't done enough studying on the, on the defensive line, but that is a possibility. That's what you, people want to know what's going on now. That's what's going on. Those types of discussions and deciding because don't forget. Now free agency starts negotiations. Start a week from today. Mm-hmm. You can start making deals a week from today. You can't sign a contract until a week from Wednesday. So, You know what we can determine what they're going to do in the draft, but what happens in the first week to ten days of free agency? Mm.
1: They're
2: going to go hand in hand,
0: right? Especially after uh, yeah, when when we get into that second wave uh, after the first wave, yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I mean you 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 can sign a second wave guy in the first wave. I mean, there's no you just don't give him as much money.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, but you get him you, you get him a uh, a good deal that he's happy with. Now like I say, we keep going to Alan Lazard. First you got to find out what his tenders going to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's going to have to do with Aaron Rodgers and and Adams
3: mm-hmm. and,
2: and they want to take care of the corner. Do you hear uh, Alexander? Yeah. You know, how much money are, are they going to have for the because a tender carries a dollar amount? So nice. if he if if um, Lazard gets tendered a second round pick that's carrying like a three point six or three point eight million dollars salary, yeah, for one year. So I, I, do the Packers have the money to do that? Even though you know they like the player. Mm-hmm. are they going to have the money to do that okay now it it's into the it's 2 million something if they tender him a third well if they tendered him a third if i'm the bears i think i i, I go after him cuz i don't know if i can get a receiver as good as him in a third round
0: yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's going to be interesting too to see what the this massive contract offer the Packers have put allegedly put on the table for Aaron Rodgers to consider that could uh, totally upend the quarterback market according to people over at NFL Network. And if that's the case, who who the hell is going to be running routes for for Aaron
2: Rodgers? Oh, I tell you what the they're going to do. They're going to draft receivers.
0: Yeah. Exactly. They have to. It's almost like a rebuild. And that might be, uh, if you believe the reports, why Aaron Rodgers is seriously considering moving on, because he knows that if he gets the money that he really thinks that he deserves from Green Bay and really wants, that there's just no money to do anything else. So- well, here's
2: the thing, Aldo. They're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Mm. They're getting hit with over $20 million if he leaves.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough situation for Green Bay. Boo-hoo. Let's all cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you about linebacker Anthony Walker, who is now being highly touted as a potential middle linebacker. He's a free agent, played with the Browns, played with the Colts uh, prior, so he knows – this uh, defense very well, very smart player, a locker room leader. Everybody seems to like this guy. And the match for the Bears. What do you know about Anthony Walker? That well, it,
2: it was a good player at, at Northwestern, pretty good player for the Colts. I don't know why he left the Colts. I'd have to find that out. And ended up in Cleveland. Uh, Is he exactly what you want? There's a few guys that the combine that really. And I don't have my list. I can go into a page here. Just Mm -hmm. a second. I'll still be on camera. but Yeah, uh, and I
0: can tell you that uh, according to Sports Illustrated, they write this about uh, Walker, the quintessential free agent linebacker from a later phase of free agency. He's also a former member of the Ebro defense with the Colts for three years. He knows the scheme and should be reasonably priced at what pro football focus believes will be a $4 million a year average with about 5.2 guaranteed. So, yeah, but yeah. you know,
2: but you know what the key is? What is the, the key is Did Ebro Flus even like him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wait, okay, wait. I
2: had, oh, okay, wait a minute. Here's.
0: Well, apparently, I think there was a report, I'd have to dig around for it, uh, that Eberflus seemed to sure. really like him, but I'd have to confirm that. Uh, Six-foot-one, 235-pounder was all around the ball, more in coverage while in the coach scheme with 11 pass defend, defended and three interceptions in three seasons under Eberflus. So, yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts? What did you find your listener?
2: Yeah, I, I I dug it up here at Lineberry. I'm waiting for it to
0: Oh, the spinning wheel on computers, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, you know you're not you, they don't have a first, so who's available in the second? Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's a guy that jumps out, and I think after I'm not real big on guys you know, really jumping up a lot when um, off of a good workout, you get you, you get what they call a combine bump, and mm-hmm. then they, they settle back into what where they really should be. Mm-hmm. You know, once you – you know, all the glow comes off from, from the combine workout. Two guys – actually, there's a few that I like that I think play in the scheme – the one guy that jumps out, and I'm not—you know—a week ago you would have said he's going to be there in the second round. And are—are are you reaching a little bit to take him in the second round? And now, after after his workout on Saturday, I'm thinking this some bitch might go in the first round. Hmm. Um, And and I'll tell you why in a second. It's Troy Anderson from Montana State. Oh yes. Okay, he ran a four-four-one, which is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 242, 243 pounds. The guy he reminded me of, and I, this is sacrilegious, Brian Urlacher. Wow! <laughs> and now, let's back up now. Let's go Brian Urlacher in 2000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brian Urlacher was a safety at New Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. The first time he ever played linebacker, I think, was at the Senior Bowl. And Actually, when the Bears drafted him in the top 10 and he played because we played here. I was with the Giants for that 2000 year and we played um, here in a game and Brian was playing outside backer. I think it was a Sam backer Mm -hmm. for the first part of that his rookie year. And he didn't play very good at Sam. It was a lot. Then they moved him inside. And then, yeah, it took off. The part of it was being inside because, of safety, you're in the middle of the field. Middle linebacker, you're in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. and and so it's it's how you're seeing the game. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is. But this guy is raw, like Brian was raw. You know, this guy started off as a quarterback and a running back. It's-
0: Oh, God, please go ahead. I just got some general highlights of him playing as you you discuss him.
2: And hell of an athlete. He's good in coverage. Hustles, can run. You know, so is he a guy you take? There's another one, Chad Muma from Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. Really good in coverage skills. Uh, You know, but these guys are guys, you know, some might get down into the third. Who knows? There's the... um, I got to get down here a little farther. I don't have the, I I left my notebook in the other room. So I, I um, there's a Wisconsin linebacker that's pretty good. There's one from Iowa that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys, go- oh, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But when you watch tape on him, you don't see him much in coverage. And they got it in this defense, you got to be able to cover but he's great against the run and he's a good blitzing linebacker. So, you know, Christian Harris from Alabama is pretty darn good. You might get him in the second round. Um, So, you know, you could be, I'm thinking right now that if they do what I anticipate them doing in, in free agency, and that is, you know, like that second level of wide receiver and stuff, and then you keep Daniels. That you could be actually your your second and third round picks could be on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you could be going uh, linebacker, defensive line. You could go offensive line, corner, uh, or corner and corner and linebacker rather. It, it w- w- might end up being your your second and third round picks. If, in fact, and, unless they bring back Ogletree, and that'll be the key. If they bring back Ogletree, that means you're not going to draft a guy in the second or third round as a linebacker. Right. Or if you sign the guy from Northwestern that was with the Colts.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: See that that's what the free agency tells you is it takes certain positions out of play for that second and third round. Now, there's a lot of talk should they trade back. And And to trade back, for the Bears to pick up a fourth, They're at 39 right now. They have to go back at least five spots. So it'd be 44 or below to pick up a fourth round pick. You go back even a few slots more than that. And um, you're going to pick up maybe even a little bit more than a fourth. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So, you know, maybe a fourth and a six or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, And they need picks, but you the last thing you want to do is drop down a level player exactly. to make a trade.
0: Right. And, and it's enticing some of these players who are going to be drafted before 39. Boy, oh boy, it's enticing to maybe trade up and grab somebody who you know is going to take care of a certain position for the next 10 years. He's a plug-and-play player. There, there are a lot of names All out of The there.
2: thing is, although. They're in a position now, they trade up, they're giving away more capital that they already don't have. Exactly. Exactly. I I think that's out of the equation.
0: Yeah. And the trade value of certain players, we've we've talked about this. It's a really tricky situation. (laughs) That's Ryan Bolson, the hand we were dealt. (laughs) It's not a good hand. here's,
2: Here's what you, when you're having these discussions of trading down, First of all, you know, you're you're gonna, you know, a few days before the draft, you're just gonna call, hey, our guy might not be here. Mm-hmm. We might be looking to trade down a few slots. And you're gonna already draw a line in the sand.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Uh, let's say it's it they're at 39 and the and the farthest they'll go back is is eight slots to 47 mm-hmm. or whatever. So you'll call, you know, 40, 41, 42, and and just say, Hey, we we might wanna move back to see if we can get you know, because our guy might not be there. Mm -hmm. Now that part's a lie anyway, because they're hoping their guy still is there. If they in fact trade down and part of that's the research, but now you start putting together these packages. Let's say they pick up a fourth. So now you've picked up a second round and a fourth round. And now you, you, you do your in-house mock draft type things and they're not necessarily assigning certain players to certain teams but where i can get guys okay if i drop down from 39 to 45 and it picks me up a mid fourth round pick okay i might still be able to get the guy i want but this is the worst it's going to be is this guy and is him and a package of and then you've you've figured out who you can get in the fourth round is that package better than the guy I was going to get, you know, for the team than the guy I was going to get at 39. Mm
0: -hmm. Outstanding stuff. Um, I want to get to a few questions that we have here. Um, Let's start with uh, danger team. If Gabriel was the general manager, what position would he choose to upgrade first and then second? So, you want to, I, I, I'm assuming that you feel the same way Ryan Poles does. You want to upgrade that offensive line. Correct.
2: Um, I, he wants better play. He doesn't necessarily say okay that he wants to, if you listen to what he says, he wants better play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And part of it might be just being in better condition.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the key to that is here's the thing. What would I do? Well, I don't know what they're going to do with Daniels. Tell me what they're going to do with Daniels first, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then I can tell you because now if, if if you don't resign Daniels and don't sign another lineman in in free agency to replace Daniels, Mm -hmm. then offensive line comes into that second, third round. Equation mm-hmm. for you know a month and a half from now, and so you know I, I'm thinking you, you got to get a corner, you got to get another corner because it's going to just cost you an arm and a leg to pay for a corner in in free agency. You got to get receivers, but I don't want to pay the big money for receiver. Mm-hmm. I want to. I've got those middle value guys that I put down there. And yeah, maybe you got to overpay them by a million dollars. So what? Um, they're still going to make your core a lot better than it is right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to, uh, I got another question here. It is from a uh, Mule Skinner. He wants to know, have you had a chance to look at tape from uh, Cincinnati and the two prospects that are coming out of there? Uh, Willie Beavers, who, uh, Plays, I forgot what position plays. I think he's an offensive lineman. And then the, the safety, Brian Cook. Have you had a chance to look at tape of those guys?
2: I, I saw them live. I, I went to their – when they upset Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. I was I at was that game. Um, no, I, I concentrated, you know, on the corners. They had a receiver. I'll tell you, there's the receiver they got. Mm-hmm. If he's available in the third round and I haven't taken care of the receivers and he's another Chicago kid, his name is Pierce, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and he ran in the low Mm 4-4s, you take him in a a minute. Okay, now Jordan there says Willie Beavers is a Sam backer. A Sam backer in this defense of the 11 guys, he's 11. Really? Not, well, yeah, not on the field that much. Oh, because you, your 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 base defense mm-hmm. really with the way offenses are played, you're really more in a sub. You're playing a four two five.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. So it's, you got your mic and your Will,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then yeah, if you're going to go to base and play with three linebackers, but sometimes that that. You know, you could have different types of nickel packages, where your fifth defensive back could be a safety or your fifth defensive back could be a corner,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's going to be depending on the tendencies of the of the opponent that you're playing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know
2: what they do on certain down and distance situations, so that tell you, okay, well, I got a, I, I can, if you got a corner that can cover, then you're, or rather, a safety that can cover then you're really in in, in good shape because you've got that extra guy that can support the run, but he's also not going to hurt you in pass defense. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Another question here um, from PZ. Are you a draft for need kind of guy or a uh, best player available kind of guy?
2: (laughs) You know what? The, The biggest fallacy is the best player available because boards end up being set according to need, mm-hmm. and it, and not purposely so, mm-hmm. but it just ends up being that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because you you just end up putting a little bit more value on those guys. Now, theoretically, what you'd like is okay. I'm sitting in the second round, and I use our old grading system, and 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 so let's say I'm looking at have three guys with an a 67 score mm-hmm. and you know, one's a corner, one's a wide receiver, and one's a three technique. Okay. They all got the same grade. Mm-hmm. So talent wise, they're relatively equal. Which one's going to help us more today? It's a good way to learn from, f- from those three positions. Mm-hmm. And that way, you know, then you're saying, okay, I'm taking the best guy available because I'm taking the best guy that can help us today, regardless of the need, and I'm and I got a need at all three positions. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um, based on what you know now, uh Jordan asks, would Greg retain James Daniels and try to retain uh, Jakeem Grant, who's whose price tag appears to be going up uh, all the time, but I don't know why, because there's so many speedy uh, returners out there. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Grant and Daniels? How, how how hard would you be pounding the table to try and re-sign these guys?
2: Well, I, I, I'm cautious when I answer a question like that, only because I like James Daniels, and he's 24 years old. Mm-hmm. He's a little too heavy. I'd put him inside the center instead mm-hmm. of guard. But I don't know what Chris Morgan, the new offensive line coach, thinks of him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's part of the equation. He's got to coach the guy. And remember, I, I've said numerous times, you can't shove a player down a coach's throat. Mm-hmm. A player, if a coach doesn't want a player, doesn't think he can play in the scheme he wants, and it's never going to work. you got to move on from the guy. So if I knew what the Bears front office and the coaching staff knew the player Then I'd say, yeah, if it's me, I, you know, I, I want, I'd want James Daniels because like I say, shit, he's 24 years old. The guy's played pretty good and he's smart. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, and if that figure that track has at around 7.7 million is, is an accurate figure. Well, hell that's, let's do it. Yeah, let's, let, you know, let's get it done. And, and, you know, if I'm him, maybe I'm thinking maybe I only want to do a three-year deal or something because then I'll be 27 and I can really hit the jackpot. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yep. That would be, that would work out for both, uh, both sides. Uh, I love this question from bear truth nine. He says, how would pro scouting differ from college or is it basically the same from a player Evaluation perspective. So, when you're when you're uh, a college sco- scout I and mean, looking at high school players, is it different than when you're a pro scout looking for college? Uh, no, he college. didn't
2: mean it. In, 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 when you're scouting college versus scouting pro is what I think he means. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. Gotcha. okay. Yes, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, scouting college, you're projecting mm-hmm. because you're now. What's this guy going to be when he gets to the NFL level? Uh, This is what he does. Um, Let's say it's a a wide receiver. And, okay, let's use Kevin White as an example. Ended up busting. Still in the league, by the way, but Hmm. he – his physical attributes were rare. Mm -hmm. Could jump out of the building, run in the four threes, all that stuff but then you go back and you look at the, the offense that he played at in at West Virginia, he only had about his route tree was like three routes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't exposed to an NFL style passing scheme. And then once he was exposed to that scheme, part of this is I'm guessing is is that, he never got totally comfortable with it. When you're in the NFL, you know, you got to make a lot of what they call sight adjustments. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you're starting, you're, you're coming off the ball. And depending on what you see the corner do or what you see the safety do, will tell you what you're going to do with your route. In other words, there's options to the route mm-hmm. for the play that was called. Um, and if you can't do that at full speed, if you're thinking too much about it, Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this 4 3 guy's playing 4 7. And that's one of his big problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He was a 4 3 guy that never, ever looked like a 4 3 guy when, when, when the tape turned on.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Um, another question for you here. Couple-
2: oh, but wait a minute. I, I didn't finish that last. Yeah. So, pro scouting, they're already in the league. Mm-hmm. so you're seeing them against NFL competition now you got to determine have they reached their ceiling or is there still room to grow or are they going to level off and start going downhill and if they start going downhill how far before and you're guessing
1: mm-hmm.
2: how, for, how long will they still be a viable part
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that part of that has to do with you know, what you want to give them contractually.
0: When when you're evaluating players at whatever level, do you go into as much detail as finding out what strength and conditioning programs they come from, what nutrition programs they come from? So if you're scouting a pro player, you might say, well, this guy, you know, even though he's 30 years old, he's for the last several years, he's been playing for an organization that really values nutrition and strength. So I feel good about it. Or you're looking at a college player. This guy's got great uh, numbers and metrics, but boy, oh boy, they do such a terrible job in in this area of nutrition at college or whatever. You know, he's probably going to be f- a so in, in, in two years in the NFL, something like that. Do, do you, do you get, go that deep into the weeds?
2: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and well, first of all, from a nutrition standpoint, now in the last couple years, the colleges have gotten better. They, you know, the kids used to be basically—they they had a—you uh, know—they might have fed them two meals a day or something, but they weren't as big on nutrition as, as they're starting to do now. But it's putting a lot more money into the program,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know. And you got to build a cafeteria and all this, and uh, you know, it—it's it, the amount of money. I, I Notre Dame, which I follow, like that's one of the things. They don't have enough room in their in their facility right now for, you know, a cafeteria and a kitchen and all that that you need and, and then to have the right nutrition. So they, it's done in another building and then brought over.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, they want to expand that building. And, uh, and now, and the, part of the discussion is, well, is it better? I'll, let's give this building to somebody else, you know, in this and build out our another building or whatever, but you've got to think into the future. Perfect example is Hallis Hall. Mm-hmm. When Hallis Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way. So <laughs> we never we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny. I mean, compared to the original Hallis Hall was not that big. And even when we got here, there was a lot of people that were working downtown.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know an off site instead of, instead of here now. You know, they when Phil Emery was here, they did uh, an, an original expansion and that helped, but it still wasn't big enough. And then Ryan Pace got that new thing put in, it, it cost him a ton of money, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But now they got a state of the art building.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do do you think that uh, Olin Creutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded?
2: <laughs> you, course- I told you what Olin. I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know that's why I'm asking. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's you know <laughs> there's no players around. <laughs> oh here oh, I'll get the fuck out of my weight room <laughs> oh <There> I go <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I think I got a commercial there. <laughs> uh, another good question here uh, uh- uh, Jordan says, "Can you ask Greg what he thinks of the idea of Daxton Hill? That's the uh, defensive back from Michigan becoming a strong safety alongside Eddie Jackson, but rotating down as a full-time nickel to make our nickel pack- package a full-time big nickel package."
2: Well, first of all, they don't have a chance in hell of getting him. Yeah, he's, he's going to go in the first round. Go in the first round. He's going to go between twenty and thirty. Oh, man. Um, I think he's going to play corner really yeah he's uh you can play him a corner you can be a free safety he could be a strong safety he can be your nickel he can do a lot of things and mm-hmm. you saw him shit he ran four four one.
1: 4
2: you know he he's got great athleticism uh now he wouldn't even think about him because he's going to be gone
0: <laughs> well and so much for that. <laughs> Any other uh, player at the combine that uh, just jumps out at you from what you saw this weekend and say, "Holy cow, this guy really did better than
2: expected." Or you know, I thought I had my l- list in here, and I didn't. I left it out there because I had written yeah. down notes,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and so we can touch on another time. But it, it was interesting. But I don't get too excited over a workout because the tape is mm. more important. And here's what happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A guy. When you're watching tape of a guy, you're putting estimates in your mind and on paper, mm-hmm. what you think the guy is, as an athlete. You know, he's a plus plus athlete. He's got play speed, of four, four, five, yada, yada, yada.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, now you get to the indie, and what he does does it compare with what you thought he was going to do? Hmm. Is it better, worse, or, or pretty much the same? Okay. Okay. Good example Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame. He jumped out of the building, but he didn't run where the damn
1: mm-hmm.
2: ran four, five, nine. Everybody thought he was going to run faster than that. You watch him. Uh, on on the field and his range from the center of the field to the sideline where he made a couple long interceptions he looks like a bullet.
3: Mm-hmm. so
2: you know he plays a lot faster than that four five nine now i, I would suspect that because he he didn't run as good as he wanted because he he his vertical jump was 38 and his um broad jump was 10 foot 11 and the, and his three cone was a sub seven second three cone for a six4 guy that's excellent because yeah. he's, he's, he's very leggy. You would think that he, he'd run again at the Notre Dame Pro Day at the end of the month, mm-hmm. you know, to see if he can improve on that four, five, nine. But the one thing, what I used to do with that's interesting also is that, you know, w- when you get all the data back from the combine, you're getting a 10, and these are all electronic times. You're getting a 10, a 20, and a 40. Mm-hmm. Okay, so some guys that are like him are long legged, and he's extremely long legged. They're not necessarily quick starters. Mm -hmm. So that means from one, what's going to slow them in the 40 is that one to 10 isn't going to necessarily be that good. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what's their speed from 10 to 40 and 20 to 40? That's and if his, okay, so now if his speed. His time from 10 to 40 and from 20 to 40 correlates with some of those guys running a 10th, 10th and a half faster.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What's the problem with the four, five, nine Besides mm-hmm. nothing. Because especially at that position, you know, where, where he's not coming out of a three point stance ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, wanted to ask you before we pull the plug on this one, uh, about Kalen Barnes and the uh, incredible uh, 40 time that he ran at uh, at the Combine.
2: At the and Baylor the, uh, receiver you're talking about?
0: No, the cornerback. Uh, yeah, oh,
2: oh he's he from Baylor. You're right. No, there was a Baylor receiver that ran fast the, and the corner.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. So that's why I got him confused. Uh, what do you think about the, the corner who ran this incredible 40 at 4.29?
2: Well, I got to turn on the tape and see what he plays. I mean, see how he plays, mm-hmm. which I haven't watched yet. I mean, yeah, he's tall. He's long, mm-hmm. but, and he's real fast, but can he play football? Yeah. Carl Lewis was real fast. He won a gold medal in the Olympics. <laughs> could
0: play football. He couldn't sing either.
2: <laughs> okay. So, you know, that, that it's just. It's part of it. It's not just the workout.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you gotta you gotta look at the at, at the uh, you know, does he play? Does he show that that four three speed when he's playing?
1: Mm-hmm. Does he
2: have fluid hips with corners? It's imperative that that you can flip your hips and you've got quick feet. And and the other thing that's real, real important is your transition. In other words, you're going from a back pedal to forward. Mm-hmm. Guys that are going from back pedal to forward and they got to chop their feet Yeah, to change. That slows them up. You're, you're useless. I don't care. You might as well be 4.8. Right. Because right. that's taken, you know, so you're negating that 4.3 speed because it takes you. You got to gather your feet mm-hmm. in order to, to come out of the pedal. It's those guys that can do it instantaneously, plant and drive. Those are the guys you want. And, and some of those guys might be a 4.50 guy. But they have such exceptional body control and such great feet that they, you know, they're great when they're playing the position. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. Loads of information on this edition of Gabriel Talks Football. By the way, I've been thinking about shortening the name of the show, Gabriel Talks Football. Doesn't that sound better to you? Yeah, you can do whatever you want it's your show. <laughs> as long as the checks in the mail. <laughs> uh, oh man, this is always uh fun and uh, let's do it again next week. We'll pick a day and a time at your well, convenience. Let's,
2: let's wait till something happens. Yeah.
0: Let's wait. Till Not it.
2: necessarily a signing. Okay. Well, it could be a signing with a, with a, with a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, is, is Bilal Nichols re-signed? Is James Daniels re-signed? That's you. Okay. Um, what's the, what kind of tag is put on Alan Lazard? Mm-hmm. Uh, who is actually going to be in free agency because, you know, they can get, they can re-sign contracts between now and, and a week from Wednesday mm-hmm. and not hit free agency. So, you know, let's, Wait a little bit on that. You know, there's one guy I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. There'll probably be some people that, that disagree with me, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, okay, there's a lot of people that got the Michigan defensive end Hutchinson as as potentially the number one pick. And and our friend Daniel Jeremiah is is one of those guys. And the guy's a hell of a player. I'm not taking anything away from him as a player. Mm-hmm. There's one thing that just after the combine that bothered the hell out of me. Hmm. He got 32 and an eighth inch arms. Wow. And that's shorter than you. That's real short arms for an edge pass rusher. Yeah. And. You know, I, I, I tweeted that out. I said that 32 and an eighth is going to bother somebody. Somebody said, you guys worry over fractions of an inch. Well, you know, when I was, Working for the Bears, we did a study
1: mm-hmm.
2: on pass rushers mm-hmm. to find out what the common denominator was it speed, was it size? And it was neither. It was arm length. Mm-hmm. The guys with the and, and it's leverage. Yeah. Okay, so okay, think of the cartoons you see where. The big bully's got holding the other guy like this with his hands, and he's the other guy's swinging, and he can't hit him Mm -hmm. because he's got short (laughs) arms. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) And 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 when he's got thirty-two inch arms, and he's going up against a a offensive tackle with thirty-five, that Mm -hmm. guy's got a three-inch advantage.
0: Yeah. And
2: And three inches is huge. Right.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, and there are of course exceptions to that, as Don Burr uh, points out, Jared Allen had the same length of, of arms. So there's always exception, and it's usually made up with incredible quickness. Am I right?
2: Yeah. It, well, he uh, you know, his three cone was great. It's like six, seven, six or something. Mm-hmm. But his 40 wasn't that great. His 40 was in the four sevens. That was good, not exceptional. And and the guy's got a great motor. I'm not taking. I'm just saying that it's not going to shut. he's probably he's going to be a top five or top six player. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to be a top two player because I know there's going to be some teams that are going to say, you know, that they they they've got their numbers, and it's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you another example. There's a lot of people that. Won't take corner shorter than 5'10, regardless of how good he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, um, and I talked to to Ballard a couple of years ago. I said, What's your cutoff for corners? He said, 5'10 and a half. Hmm. So don't look for the Bears to be signing any five foot nine corners mm-hmm. or to, or Drafting any five foot nine corners mm-hmm. because they don't fit the profile. And the other guy that uh, the guy that bothered me with really short arms has got good tape was McCready, the corner from um Auburn. Mm-hmm. It's got the 28 and a half inch arms. Wow, those are alligator arms. It's like <laughs> how are you gonna, how are you gonna make the play? <laughs>
0: It's gonna be difficult, especially if well, you're I, you know,
2: really you, you don't forget now. Playing against college players, different story. Now he's going against the best of the best. Yeah, yeah. And, and now you you comparing to Peanut Tillman.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, Peanut Tillman he could tie his shoes standing up, his long, arms were so long. <laughs> that was it. A- Nate Vasher had real long arms for a five foot ten guy.
0: Yeah, Tillman's long arms came in handy when he was uh, matched up against Randy Moss. He made a lot of plays. Just right, and over. and
2: so, you know, I don't want to hear people say, "Oh, you make big things out of fractions of an inch." Fractions of an inch make a difference between a completion or a pass breakup.
0: Hmm. The game is a game of inches, and player evaluations are a game. Or I was going to come up with a great saying, but I freaked it. But you
2: freaked it up. <laughs>
0: I'll work on it for the next show, (laughs) and we'll let people know when we are back on. All you got to do is subscribe to the Barroom Network here on YouTube and uh, follow Greg at Greg Gabe. And follow me at Barroom Network on the Twitter channel. And we also have activity going on on our Facebook pages. So just give us a follow and let people know what we're all about. Hit that like button down there, and that always helps, supposedly helps us uh, get more recognition. So for Greg Gabriel, my name is Aldo Gandia. We will talk to you soon. Bye bye, everybody.
2: See you later.